We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Why do we... Why do... Why, why are we being so mean to Jules? Why are we being so mean to white people right now? That's what it is. People are allowed to yeah, say what the fuck they want. And it's, I'm allowed to feel how I want, but it's like, am I going to fight them or am I going to accept what they have to say and keep it fucking moving? White people have, I see what you're saying. White people haven't mean to us in the past. I have a, like, what are you going to do about that? Tell me what you're going to do about that. There's no, there's no answer other than gaining understanding and keeping it moving. That's some biblical shit. You're bridging the gap, man. You have to bridge the gap. Before you guys listen to another episode of The Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash thecornerpodcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month, you guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Another week, another great episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hill. 
a full week of combat sports ahead of us. We are 10 days away from wedding mania. We are 17 days away from WrestleMania this year. It's going to be crazy. Time crunch is just, oh man, my head is about to explode. There's so much to do in the next two weeks. But of course, we're giving you guys a ton of new content. Just dropped a Patreon episode with the old man talking about his conversations with Errol Spence. We'll be dropping another one from my wedding with the Reverse Rat Pack. Tons of content on Patreon. I'll throw up pictures, outfits, everything from that day up there too to make sure the Corner Cub fam kind of gets to feel like you guys are there. But we're here to talk about this week in this episode. Dre, before we get into combat sports and everything that the week holds, we got to talk about some craziness that was on the Twitter timeline, and that is Daniel Caesar, who I still haven't listened to the R&B album. I hear amazing things. It is really good. But I might already not be messing with him because he's caping for Yes Jewels and some bullshit. Man, all right. So quick. These youngins just never learn, man. Listen, social, you know, I say it all the time. Social media is a place where everybody doesn't need a microphone and it gives a lot of stupid opinions the ability to facilitate into the world. And Daniel Caesar's the latest example. Daniel Caesar's album is amazing. But stick to singing, motherfucker. I don't need to hear your opinion on black people treating white people wrong. And especially when it comes to this Yes Jewel situation. I'm, I don't, dog. And like, he kind of said it as a blanket statement, right? And then, like, yeah. as caping for her. One, I don't think she deserves sympathy. She did this to herself. I mean, look, man, it's not like Yes Jules isn't eating, right? Like, Yes Jules is eating. Oh, she's fine. But, controversy but, sells. Well, yeah, the controversy sells. I mean, you know, those of us who know, like, I'm not going to put it out there, but those of us who know where she got this, this money from, we know. We know where this all came from. So go ahead and eat. But relax on the opinions on black women, because you're not one of them. And you're not going to offend my sisters by saying that they offended because you're cute. Because you done had some work done, sweetheart. Like, relax. Yeah, she ain't that cute. <laughs> like, she ain't, like, like, she ain't even remotely close to my speed. But just, just like, all this animosity and then she's doing she did a podcast with some dudes like and that were defending R. Kelly. I was like, y'all all meant for each other. But then Daniel Caesar's like, black people treat white people like are mean to white people like yo where have you been the last 400 years dog like what is wrong with you he, he was literally born yesterday he has, has the the generation z mindset down to a t where it's just and i guess old people you say this about us but they're just living in a bubble like there it's it's internet it's soundcloud it's youtube it's you've never been outside never been punched in the face you think racism only exists when you're playing uh, whatever the hell that new game is, uh, Fortnite. I don't even think people say racist shit on Fortnite. It ain't even like back in the good old days with Halo, where a six-year-old white kid would just be calling you all types of racist shit. Just to remind you that racism's real somewhere in Alabama. Don't you ever forget this shit. Let you go on a kill spree against some white people. You're getting called everything under the book. So that those days are gone. So these kids just live in a, a complete bubble uh, of really what they're what they're being fed. It, it's crazy. My daughter, my oldest, Malaya, had this project and she had to pick uh, a certain person for Black History. She can pick um, anyone. And I went down the list. There's literally like eight people on this Black History list for a presentation. There's 24 kids in her class. That means every kid had to triple up on the same person. 
Damn shit. I was like, yo. I was like, nah, nah, nah. I was like, do I have to call your teacher? She was like, what? I was like, no. I was like, I'll email your teacher. You, We're going to pick you somebody off of this list. There's plenty of people you can speak of. Plenty. And uh, mm. I forgot, at, long story short, she had to do someone on the list. I tried to give him Malcolm X. <laughs> but the teacher wasn't having that shit. Like, it, Malcolm Wait, X isn't what? on the list. No, no. So, like, it had to be on it. Like, when I tell you, they only teach these kids about Rosa Parks, uh, fucking MLK, all this. Like, oh, Washington this, Carver. Like, there you, you go. It's That's such a short, short list. Short list of people, and they don't expand. So when they're when people are like, oh no, they they don't get a full sense of black culture. They're not in their textbooks. They're not on the reading list. They're not on the exams list. None, the the book reports, none of that shit. So they don't know. So they think, oh, you're treating white people so bad. You be like, there's 400 years. Dre, they know eight people, and I lie to you not. My daughter wasn't allowed to do a book report on Malcolm X. Let's see. Here's the thing, right? Like. They can only do reports on black people that are non-threatening. And even though the latter half of Martin Luther King's life was when he was talking about financial freedom and things like that and housing, it was a threat to white folks. The I Have a Dream speech will forever be non-threatening. George Washington Carver with his old, we can make peanut butter, but we couldn't make jelly. That's not threatening. Like, but Malcolm X will forever be threatening to white people. Look. My grandmother, is, as I've said on this podcast, is a full-blooded Italian white woman. She fucking hated Malcolm X. <laughs> hated. So anytime I would bring him up, she would get super offended. Like, why, why are you bringing that racist up? This is my grandmother. Don't bring that racist up. So I can only imagine what the school district goes through. Like, come on, man. How many people have learned? Like, any of our listeners out there, tweet me and tell me in your school books what you learned about the Black Panther Party. I'd love to hear it because that shit was not in my school books. No. And I would come to class, yo, if y'all know me, I would come to class <laughs> with like the straight, like my report would just be on Stokely Carmichael, the Black Panther Party, Marcus Garvey, like Holly Selassie. That's the stuff that I was in. My teachers are like, you can't talk about that. And I'm like, why? Because they murdered white people in your mind? Like, that's not what happened, though. Like, black pride and black power is not hating white people. No. But they all have that in these their- presidents and shit had slaves and murdered white people. We talk about that. Used to be my argument, like Thomas <laughs> Jefferson. Come on, so like I'm like, but that this is the the world that we were living in. And when you bring this back to Daniel Caesar, it shows you how uneducated he is. And I and I guess uh, apparently, uh, DeRay McPherson uh, had a conversation with him and posted it. And and I'm like, he's he's learning from his mistakes. Yo, learn your shit offline, bro. <laughs> yeah. I don't need you to. I don't need you to figure out racism on Twitter, right? I don't need you to learn the hard way. Shut the fuck up, make music, and learn about the culture. I don't need you to learn in real time in front of me, because now you offended me. And stop calling, dying your hair. Like, I don't know what it is about these brothers <laughs> that dye their hair. As soon as you dye your hair, you do some dumb shit. Chris Brown, Kanye West, Daniel Caesar. Shit ain't been right since early Sheldon Benjamin. He was, like, like, he was like the last one that had it rocking, was like Sheldon Benjamin. Everyone who dyed their hair blonde after that was a rat. I'll give Kevin Randall some pass. But even that shit got him knocked out a couple times. I'm, I'm just, I'm sick of it, man. It just, yes, Jules thing, like, that could be its own damn podcast. Like, appropriation of our culture, like, come on. And we talked about this with the Kardashian show. We talked about it a little when Yes, Jules did this. It's just, it's a cycle. But behind that cycle, every time, 
if, if you just peel back the curtain, there's a black person behind them be like, stop picking on them or being an oh. apologist or no, that's cool. They my friend. They don't mean nothing about it. Now, you want to be a friend? Call people out on their bullshit. And y'all friends. It's all good. But yeah, just blindly caping for people is a damn shame. But what's even worse of a shame is that it got this kid who I haven't heard his R&B album. I've heard good things, but I haven't listened to music. I haven't done anything. It got him into the news cycle. It got him more pub. There's nothing. We might think this shit is stupid. But in the grand scheme of things, this elevated his platform. Is this Kanye, oh, quote unquote, Kanye mentality catching on? Is this, is this the new shock value in the black community? Just say some wild shit about race and it, be on the wrong side? But the real question is, did it, like, this is kind of what I said a few weeks ago about the Harvey Weinstein and the R. Kelly thing. Like, do white people really know who Daniel Caesar is? And I mean, I didn't know who he was. Like, black people didn't know who he was. Now I got to be offended by this. Dude, I don't even fucking know who he is. So, so my point is, like, Daniel Caesar, what he did, like, I guarantee you that there is a segment of people that listen to this podcast that are like, I should fast forward the segment because I don't know who the fuck Daniel Caesar or Yes Jules <laughs> are. Like, I, I can guarantee you that. So it's like, just because Daniel Caesar gets smashed on a bicep headline doesn't mean that he's making headlines with the mainstream. And they flamed so, his ass. Shout out to everyone at Bossip in those headlines, by the way. Hey, my homegirl Janae Bolden has been working there for years. Shout out to her. I, like, the fact that she's been able to push Bossip the way she has and th- these headlines are unbelievable. <laughs> Incredible. But. Like, they, they they found the wave and took off. The two funniest things to me are the alliteration and Bossip headlines. Because just as journalists and editors and they're just so witty and incredible, it shows you how smart and talented they are. By realizing that headlines grab people and they can do whatever the hell they want with the headlines as long as the content is straight inside of the article. Kudos to them. That and Rob at BSO, like after I left, I was like, yo, when that fucking Twitter like cap limit got taken off, he fills the entire thing with a headline. And it's so just weird and twisted and wrapped around in the entire comment section people are like what the hell did you just say and he has really carved out that second niche because i was like yo you can't do what bossup is doing like they cornered the market so rob just yeah. floods the headline with like 180 characters that shit's genius too like 360 characters a full headline so that that has me dying as well so they i understand i i'm here for the evolution i gotta gotta give Credit where credit is due to both parties. They did their thing. And I, I didn't even get to talk about Rob and uh, what's her face? Amanda Diva. They went on like some TMZ shit. What's the TMZ black dude's name? Van Lathan. Van Lathan. And they had, they had their own debacle. That shit was crazy. Rob held his own though, sipping water. Like he was sipping tea yeah, on the couch. That. So that, that shit was everywhere too. So it's crazy to see all these little things in a vacuum kind of get exposed and blow up. Hopefully this, you know, just saying dumb shit and getting a platform. Amanda Diva wasn't on any of my radar before I saw that shit either. So, like, if you say dumb and controversial shit, someone's going to give you a platform to explain yourself. And to me, it's elevating the people, even if it's for a small period of time. I'm not going to say some dumb shit because you'll call me out on my dumb shit and it's not good. Other people don't seem to have these type of friends. No, they like, don't. I can't go out and just say something wildly controversial. I give hot takes. I can't say something wildly controversial. You'll get 18 million calls. I'll get a call from you. I'll be tight. So Pretty much. These, these people don't have fucking friends. I'm just convinced. That I'm at that point. Um, 
talking about another asshole person and TMZ. It's kind of it's coming full circles, wrapping around. Adrian Broner. Oh, God. What's man. good with your boy? I mean, was good. I, Not I mean, only did he say some dumb shit, he had maybe the most homophobic take in the history of boxing. And it's combat sports. So that's saying something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, man. Did, is anybody really surprised about Adrian Broner's comments? I, I am truly surprised that he keeps one-upping himself. I, I'm I, honestly surprised. I would think someone would run out of material. Not, not me, man. I, I, like, I look at Adrian and I'm just like, y'all keep giving him the platform, he's going to keep doing it. Like, he, he never gets, the truth is he doesn't get penalized for the things he says. Say he's going to shoot a bunch of gay people and nobody's penalizing him for it. It's not like they're not going to give him a fight. They're going to give him another fight. He's going to get another big fight. So Yeah, because people now want to see him get knocked out even more. But th- therein lies my point. If Adrian Broner can remain relevant saying the most crass and ignorant things, he's going to keep doing it. But the funny thing about it is, and somebody had asked me this, they was like, you've been around Adrian before, right? And I was like, yeah, when I, we filmed the documentary with him, mm-hmm. before he fought Gavin Rees like five years ago. Is he like that? Yes. There is no act to Adrian Broner. No. This is who he is. He's ignorant for all purposes. As hell. He's yeah. ignorant. So it's like people get surprised and be like, yo, this is an act. No, no, folks. It's not an act. He's also who this man is. arguably mentally unstable. Because sometimes I see him act somewhat normal. And then I mean, other times... Normal. Yeah, I mean, but like, he has just polar opposites. He might want to get that checked out. Because now he's flushing money down the toilet sometimes and crying and, and telling, I don't know, that he's going to kill himself to his whole family and blah, blah, blah. And then the next day he's recording with Rick Ross, throwing money around and saying, oh, I'm about to drop an album. Like he's, it's the paradox he's, of humanity, man. This, this is how some is, people lost. He is all the way hot or all, all the way cold. And he titled his thing a PSA to gay men who are interested in him. So, and I'm not sure if I talked about it on the podcast, uh, but my godfather is gay. And I grew up with, uh, which is crazy. I don't want to give the kid's name. That's what I'm debating. But... Um, this kid on my block, we were all close on the block. Everyone's super close. That's how it is in New York neighborhoods. Um, he grew up upstairs, him and his older brother, um, his older brother, Chris. And the kid was gay. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer. People believe what they want, that you're gay when you're born. Like, I've known this kid since I was two years old, three years old. He's always been gay. We were outside playing football. He was choreographing Spikes Girls in his living room. Like, it's just, it's who he is. We all accepted this. And he's gay in Jamaica. Which is always bananas. His plight is, is crazy. He happens to be nice and kind of well off financially now, so he does whatever the hell he wants. But uh, so that, like, growing up with that dynamic, seeing someone like all the way in your hood, like when people gotta, you know, try to fight him, you gotta be like, "Fuck, we gotta beat these people up," because he's like, you know, everyone's little brother. Like, no, they just we know. Yeah, he's walking down the block with his purse. That don't mean you could try to fight him and fuck him up. So we got we to gotta fight for him. And we were whooping ass over that. And then just the influence my godfather has had on me, um, which is huge. I went and stayed with my godfather in Atlanta when I had like my whole weird fucking episode and breakdown and shit. So like knowing where my godfather comes from and hearing his backstory, he was like one of the most popular drag queens in like the 80s in New York. Like early 80s, all the way through the 80s. Like his shit was famous and he'd do all this stuff. So it's crazy to know how well-respected he was in that community, but the shit he had to go through for that as well. 
And then hearing this like Adrian Broner shit, I'm just like, beyond him being ignorant, it's just incredible that, you know what? I was going through the comments, which I really shouldn't do on shit like this. How many people are just as ignorant as him? I'm like, yo, fam, it's 2019. These gay dudes don't want you. One. They really like, like, offer, like you're flattering yourself. These gay guys, you're not even on their radar, my man. Like, you're, you're nowhere near. Even as a celebrity, there's plenty other guys I'm sure they are looking at way before Adrian Broner. Like, you're, you're flattering yourself. One, so the rant was just dumb off top. But a lot of people had that same mentality where they're like, yo, uh, oh, I, I can't shower in front. Like, to me, homophobia is so played out. I went to high school, high school football team, one of the kids, arguably one and a half, I think one kid is bi now too. But two people like on our football team, like my, my grouping, were like gay or like men at some point in their life. That's not going to make me feel away from us showering in high school. Like, I ain't give a fuck. No one bothered me. No one disrespected me. That was it. Like, it, it's crazy how there's, there's still certain things. Like, we talk about racism a lot on the show and uh, how it's being kind of, I guess, popularized. Due to some things in, uh, you know, the MAGA kind of movement, not all of them are racist, but there, it's just, you, we're seeing these things where it makes it easier to come out and speak these things. And I feel like homophobia, and they, they're kind of giving it this toxic masculinity name every now and then. Like, I feel like this shit is becoming a little bit more of the norm again. Yeah. It, it's one of the things that, like, truly bothers me. It's like, no, like, cool, I understand. Like, people don't say, oh, that's gay anymore. Right. Like, no, like no one's going to use like the F word, all this stuff. Cool. We got in, like a, a step in the right direction that way. But even for that, like you look at and people are still it's kind of like a, a separate culture. It's it's people are now kind of separating themselves, even within black culture, within, you know, entertainment, all this stuff, trying to like separate themselves from the gay culture and all this shit. And that that's something that this Adrian Broner thing, as soon as I saw it immediately i was like i don't care what outlet i work for again what publication what radio show what television show what you know this podcast and i will never interview adrian broner again off rip like i don't care no one can pay me that much money and that's as soon as i saw it i was like it's right yeah. I'm, I'm never talking to him again i'm not writing uh, anything on his fight no i'm good i'll pass on that check He's not getting publicity from me. Like, I decided to talk about it on this podcast, and that's it. I won't, you know, entertain the clown show anymore. It, but yeah. it's, it's crazy how this, this shit is prevalent. And it got Broner, again, right back into the cycle. This shit was first story on TMZ. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's again, that's who this man is, and he continues to get fights. And the, and the crazy thing is, motherfucker ain't winning. No. He going, he's losing. <laughs> No, he's not. He, he was losing. When he did win, he was missing weight. He just, I, I don't know. But they, listen, they'll feed him, I, I don't know. They'll feed him Danny Garcia or some shit. They won't feed him. Daniel Garcia will beat him. He's he's getting another check. No, That's the they'll feed scary. him to Danny Garcia. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, he's he, all he's doing is getting another check. Yeah, which and is ridiculous. you'll find a way. Ridiculous, man. Um, so, I mean, that's that's just the cycle we live in and, and Twitter and all that shit. But I felt like, you know what? I just, if this is the last time I'm speaking about Adrian Broner and I have to go on just a fucking complete silence and quote unquote cancel Adrian Broner, 
which I personally decided to do. You know what? Talk about it on a podcast. Get that shit out of the way. So people at least know why I will not entertain bullshit on Adrian Broner. And this is cutting off like a quarter of my conversation with Glasses Malone. <laughs> Word. Like this is a quarter of our Twitter conversations. So I can't even entertain that anymore, man. I ain't talking about that clown. Um, talking about someone impactful in boxing and moving the right way. Uh, we talked about it a lot on our Patreon episode this week. And the admiration you obtained for Errol Spence being around him during that fight week and me by reading your content and, and just hearing your stories and talking about it more and, and having a rooting interest in someone who's in boxing and doing shit the right way and speaking up for the right things and trying to provide those people the equal platform to the people doing stupid shit like Adrian Broner. So Errol Spence this weekend, though, if you guys want that in-depth convo, by the way, go to the Patreon uh, old man on Jerry's Hale broke out the story time. That shit was fantastic. Um, but let's talk about the fight itself. He came in, Spence, Garcia, off rip from, take us from weigh-ins to the fight. Did you see anything during weigh-ins where like, yo, this is going to be even tougher than I thought with Mikey? No, I mean, not even anything. Like, first of all, Errol just, he looked great all week. Um, I, anybody who watched his boxing kind of knew what was going to happen. Mikey did an excellent job of making people believe he had a chance. And it's crazy to say that because Mikey Garcia in most places is ranked between number seven and number five pound for pound heading into this fight. Whereas Errol's been around the same place. And most of us, because, you know, in boxing, weight classes do matter. Mm -hmm. uh, the, those who knew was like, Mikey can't win this fight. Errol's too big. But like when Mikey was going after Errol at the Lamont Peterson fight and then at the Robert Easter fight where I was at. And Errol was just like at first Errol was like, nah, you're too small. <laughs> but then, as time progressed, and he didn't get the fight with Sean Porter because Sean Porter decided to face his mandatory and your Dennis Ugas, which he damn near lost, Errol needed to fight. And it came back around, and it was like, yo, we can make this a pay-per-view fight on Fox. And Errol's like, fine. And you can kind of tell, like I was around him this week, you can kind of tell that he's like, this dude really thinks he can beat me. And he like laughed to himself, like, this is fucking ridiculous. It, it, it was ridiculous. So at the weigh-ins, when I'm looking at him... You know, I'm sitting next to Kevin Ioli from Yahoo, and I'm like, you know, people are talking about Mikey's midsection. He looks kind of soft. But I'm like, that's how Mikey looks. Mikey's not a ripped guy. My issue is, is that Errol's like four inches taller than him, and Errol's got like a three to four inch reach advantage, and he's been a welterweight his entire life yep. as a boxer. That's why Mikey didn't have a chance. That's not, that just, shouldn't be the guy you face in your first welterweight fight. No, and, and the interesting thing is people were saying Mikey chose that fight because he saw something in Errol he can beat, and that couldn't be further from the truth, and people got this shit all wrong. I talked to Mikey when he fought Robert Garcia, I mean, uh, Robert Easter, and I talked to Mikey, we rode together from the, uh, after the press conference, and I've asked him this question twice, he's had the same answer, he's like, I would wish that people would stop saying I saw something that I could beat. I saw something, in Mikey's eyes, he saw something that he needed to figure out. Like, if he would have fought somebody else that he thought he could beat, it wouldn't be the same because in Mikey's mind, he's tired of being the favorite in every fight. Against Errol Spence, he would be the clear underdog. And he wanted to be great. He dared to be great. And it's, I don't, like, people like, he was arrogant. No, man, you're supposed to go in a fight thinking you win. I would never take a fight and do fight where you be like, man, I'm going to get my fucking head not rocked. I, I, I don't know. You guys don't bet on me. I can't do that. You have to think you can win the fight. But it wasn't because Mikey saw a flaw. He just saw the baddest man at 147. 
And everybody who knows, we all know Errol Spence is the baddest man in 147. We ain't talking about Keith Thurman no more. No, one time, one time is completely off of the race, radar. I, I don't know if Thurman's in my top five at welterweight right now. That, Present he, day. He's, he's in my top five. But You put you him know, over Sean fact, still? Uh, he beat Sean in a close fight. So if they're like, they're maybe like 3A and 3B. Because obviously it's, I it's definitely Spence put Pacquiao on top of him. Yeah, Spence Crawford, Pacquiao, Sean, like, and then him. It's possible. So, so ultimately, like Errol Spence is a guy know what he wants to fight, and Mikey stepped up to take that challenge, so he should be commended for it. But what Errol Spence did to Mikey Garcia on Saturday night in Dallas in the AT and T Stadium and didn't allow his ass to win a single round speaks in volumes of how good Errol Spence is. Yeah. And when you talk about the pound for pound conversation. And, like, I don't know if people saw me having this argument because people were like, ah, oh, it's impossible to say he's number one. It's really not if you really break this thing down. Because if you say Lomachenko's number one, and I'm going to ask you, Kel, who is Lomachenko's best victory? Who was it against? Damn, off the top of my head? Oh, man. Um... I don't even know. Like... All right. I'll let who, you off the hook. Yeah, like, it's who's either, his best fight? It's either Nicholas Walters, who he made quit. Walters came in that fight. But Walters hasn't looked great since. But it's either that or, like one fight. or it's Guillermo Rigondeaux, who was a pound-for-pound pound amateur oh, superstar. Yeah. But came, but, but I was like, if you give him credit for beating Guillermo Rigondeaux, you have to remember Guillermo Rigondeaux went up two weight classes to fight Vasily Lomachenko. Yeah. So if you give Lomachenko credit... You have to give Spence credit for fighting Marky, Mikey Garcia, who did what? Went up two weight classes to fight Errol Spence. So there's that. Uh, Linares Spence, might be up there, though. But, but then, Linares dropped Lomachenko. Nobody's dropped Errol Spence. Yeah. Lomachenko's also lost to Salido. So he has a loss on his record. So if you want to make this argument, go for it. But I can counter with something with Errol. So the next one was Terrence Crawford. All right. Who's Terrence Crawford's best victory? Terrence Crawford actually has some joints. Um, but who's I mean, his best? Victor Postal? Yuriokas Gamboa? Postal was probably the best fighter he's had. I'm not sure if that's the best fight, like most impressive. Are we talking most impressive or just best fighter? His, his, his best victory to date. If you had to rank his best victory and his, his, his toughest opponent on paper... Who would Terrence Crawford's number one guy be? Postal, toughest opponent on paper. Most impressive victory, I'd probably say starching John Molina. Okay. So if you look at Terrence Crawford's record, he doesn't have a pound-for-pound guy on his resume. Errol Spence now does with Mikey Garcia. Mm -hmm. So you can make this argument that mm, – Maybe Errol Spence has a better resume than Terrence Crawford because he has a better pound-for-pound -pound opponent. Granted, Crawford beat Gamboa, who was a little bit tougher at the time. Jose Benavidez, David Benavidez's brother, who was, who was undefeated, but he doesn't have a pound-for-pound -pound guy. So then you go Canelo. He is nowhere near Canelo's resume. He is not near Canelo's resume. No one is. Correct. But if two of those scorecards changed, and somebody saw the fight in favor of Golovkin, we wouldn't be having this conversation. No, I, I was that guy. I was the guy who saw exactly. Golovkin win the first one and then draw in the second fight. 
So if you want to make the argument about Canelo, I'm with you. His his resume is impressive, but you can argue that he lost to both. He lost to Golovkin both times, and you can argue that he lost to Arisandi Lara. If you really wanted to make that argument, yeah, those fights were very close. I couldn't put a very close fight on Errol Spence. He hasn't had. He hasn't been pushing the second gear yet, right? So it's like you can say that to everybody. Now then there's people like, well, Oleksandr Usyk. Okay, love Usyk. He unified the titles at Cruiserweight. But name a Cruiserweight who was remotely close to a pound-for-pound guy that Usyk fought. Gassiev? Mm, no. Yeah, no, not yet. He he really has to land this Povetkin fight here in a second. Well, he, I'll tell you right now, he's probably not. Oh. I know who he's fighting next. Ain't and, that some shit. Well, I mean, okay, if it's not next, it has to happen this year. How about that? Because that'll really notch him in the heavyweight division and Povetkin's you know a good if you're going to take the first step into the division he's a good guy to fight true indeed so ultimately my whole point was this there is no clear-cut number one pound-for-pound guy right now there is nobody that was dominated as Floyd Mayweather or Roy Jones Jr. when they were sitting on top of the pound-for-pound list or on Andre Ward right now you can make a legitimate argument for any of the top six to be a pound-for-pound guy and you're not wrong you're not wrong if you say it's Usyk. You're not wrong if you say it's Crawford. You're not wrong if you say it's Lomachenko. You're not wrong if you say it's Canelo. You're not wrong. So, but Errol Spence, he's right there with him. People are saying, I want him to see him unify the belts. All right, tell these motherfuckers to fight him. Because when people were saying that Gennady Golovkin was number one pound for pound, nobody wanted to fight Golovkin either. Because people were also saying, well, Errol Spence is a welterweight. Golovkin was a middleweight who never moved up or down. You can't really fault the guy for staying in one weight class and just beating people up. Right, like I, I don't think you can. I, I get the pound for pound argument, but Marvin Hagler was whipping ass in middleweight forever. So it's like, you know, Andre Ward, super middleweight, went to light heavyweight. Like, what Errol Spence, he's, he's eventually going to make the move to 154. We see it coming. But I just think, as of right now, people trying to take away from Spence's victory in the manner that he beat Garcia by shutting him out in 12 rounds. It's hard to shut anyone out. Golovkin Absolutely. didn't shut out, what, Khan when they fought. I mean, dude, nobody pitches a shutout against a pound-for-pound guy. It just doesn't happen. A pound-for-pound guy usually finds a way to win a round. Floyd Mayweather's had tough rounds with guys. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, He's giving Maidana, Maidana took rounds from Floyd. Right, and nobody thought Maidana had a shot in hell to win that fight. So, Errol Spence shutting out Mikey Garcia is a pretty big deal, guys. I know size matters and everything else, but Mikey Garcia is good. And now Bob Arum calling Mikey Garcia a mutt? And saying that Mikey Garcia and Lomachenko is not appealing because Mikey didn't show and prove against Errol Spence, that's some bullshit. That's because you're bitter as hell because Mikey left you. Because Mikey Garcia versus Lomachenko is very appealing to me. It's very appealing to, I'd say, 90% of boxing fans. Yeah, no, he's just he's just hurt right now. Because, I mean, you, you even look at that. Mikey was on pay-per-view. How many pay-per-view fighters does Aram have? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, he... If you want to be real, Mikey just did double the numbers of Terrence Crawford. Mikey and Errol are going, like, Terrence Crawford is going to be fighting Amir Khan on paper. And, dog, this is the funniest thing about Aram. Aram said that about Mikey Garcia going up to fight Errol Spence. But yet in the same breath, Bob Aram is going to say that Amir Khan, who got his snot box rocked against Canelo, has a chance against Crawford? Are you fucking nuts? Dude, Khan has no chance against Crawford. He's going to get murdered. So Mikey versus Errol was at least two pound for pound guys. 
Yeah. I don't think people are remotely interested, or I don't think anybody thinks that Amir Khan really has a shot against Terrence Crawford. Nobody, I don't think anybody can be convinced that Amir Khan can be Terrence no. Crawford. No, it's just, you, the only thing that keeps him in this is that he's he's gone up in weight so much, he's taking punches from so, you know, from bigger men. Granny got flattened and knocked out. Um, but, or no, Khan fought Canelo, right? So, Khan Canelo, and then it was Triple G versus Kell Brook, I think. Yeah. But uh, Khan, you know, he went and, and fought Canelo and he, he took those punches. And then he's, he's been at 147 for a lot longer. Because people say what they want. Terrence Crawford is still kind of just new at 147. Yeah. I mean, I mean he beat Jeff Horn. Yeah, he like, he, he hasn't fought the heaviest, what, the top five heavy-handed punchers in that division? He hasn't, no. he hasn't tasted that yet. So even with Khan, Khan might have that just that body still where it's just okay, he's going to be a little more physically imposing. He'll be a little rangier than the people Crawford has fought. He might, you know, give him at least a puzzle to figure out, take two rounds, and Errol Spence, I just think, is a whole different beast. I think Errol Spence knocks Amir Khan out four rounds without without dropping one. Uh, yeah, I think I think Errol Spence hurts Amir Khan. And, and look, I, again, that's, I'm not taking anything away from Terrence Crawford because I, I, right now, for the record, because people have been arguing me about Spence, I don't have Spence as my number one pound-for-pound pound guy. I don't because he, I think he needs a couple more fights. But I think he's fucking close. I think I do have Crawford ahead of Errol because Crawford has won titles in multiple weight classes. Um, and he's looked damn impressive in doing so. I think Errol, like, you know, Lamont Peterson, Kell Brook, mm, not really the guys. But Terrence Crawford is just a mean fighter. And if he hurts you, he's going to finish you. But what he doesn't necessarily have that I think Errol Spence has is life-changing power. And Errol doesn't have, like, the one punch knock. Because people are like, oh, Mikey Garcia took his punches. Mikey Garcia has never been beat up, guys. Chill out. Y'all, y'all act like Mikey Garcia has been rocked before. He hasn't even been in, he's never been pushed in a fight. And Errol Spence just gave him hell. But what Errol can do, like he did to Kell Brook, where he, fra- he destroyed his orbital bone, or where he made Lamont Peterson quit, he's got, like, thudding power that wears on you. Terrence doesn't necessarily have that power, but he has, if, if you go back to the Benavides fight, Terrence Crawford can throw punches that you don't necessarily see coming. And that's how he gets people. And Amir Khan is the king of getting hit by shit that he doesn't see coming. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, so, like, you look at the, the Canelo fight, you look at and you look at the fights that, that Khan has lost and been uh, knocked out. Bradis Prescott, the first person who knocked out Khan. He got hit by a punch he didn't see coming. Terrence Crawford is going to hit Amir Khan with some shit, a counter that he's not going to see coming. It's going to kill him. Yep. Mark my words. That's what's going to happen. But, dog, nobody but wants to see that fight. Crawford, to me, still, even at 147, and I don't want to say this is what scares me when fighters move up, but it's, it's a real concern. It's that when you knock people out, you have to do it with barrages and flurries and try to, you know, get the ref to step in and stop it. Um, It's true. Crawford, so far, seems to have one-punch knockout power still at this weight. But I'm just not sure as he gets to these bigger guys at 147, if he has that one-punch, like, yo, I'm putting you down type of power, which makes it a lot more difficult to get stoppages in fights. Manny is great, but we saw that with Manny. He had to overwhelm people to get stoppages. As well, he moved up I mean, he murdered Ricky Hatton with one punch. Oh, I guess early um, Manny, yeah. I mean, I mean, 2011 and on, he what, has like two stoppages? 
Well, yeah, I mean, that was different. After he knocked out Miguel Cotto, it, it wasn't until he didn't it. get another stoppage until no, Matisse. He found God, he stopped cheating on his wife, and he lost his power. Yeah, or in, if in you believe the other side, <laughs> if, if, if you believe the real detractors, they'd be like, ah, the needles. But oh, yeah. I, that'd be right. You know, that's the other side of the argument. I'm not endorsing that side of the argument. I'm just saying that argument has existed. Bottom line is, I think Errol Spence is a generational talent who has been, been – his stature has been built by what we've heard about what he's done to people in the gym. Mm-hmm. And that only makes his, his legend grow. And then when he did to Mikey Garcia, only makes his legend grow. So we're at a point now where people think that Spence and Pacquiao is probably the next fight to make. I've said if I'm Freddie Roach, I don't allow that fight to happen. I don't – Realistically, Manny has three tough options, though. So, I mean, it's either that he's going to fight Keith Thurman, which is a toss-up. Maybe Manny thinks he can win that. Who knows? Um, But he could also get knocked out cold. And Keith Thurman's a lot less money at this point because it's not going to be pay-per-view. Errol Spence is a pay-per-view. You're probably going to lose, but you get paid a lot. And then Danny Garcia, which is probably your lowest tier, which I think you have a really good shot at winning. But it's the third rung in the money line. Which is true. And there's no bill. There, there's two ways to look at this. If you're Fox Showtime and you're trying to find... You can do two pay-per-view fights. You can go, if you really want to, you can go with Errol Spence and Sean Porter as a pay-per-view. Probably do like 200000 Yeah. And, and you unify a title. Because you have the IBF on the line, WBC. You can go Pacquiao Thurman for the WBA title. And, it, and look... But if Pacquiao I, loses, again, you don't build your star. But what I'm saying, if Keith beats Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman versus Errol Spence is a pretty big fight to unify the titles. That's fair. On paper. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, yeah, I guess that's good. Because, you know, I mean, you're only as strong as your B-side a lot of times. So, so yeah, so it's, it's, if Pacquiao Thurman is a pay-per-view fight, because I guarantee you Thurman wants pay-per-view money, and I need to see Thurman pushed. Like, Thurman, he just doesn't look like he wants to fight anymore. No, he, he got fuck around and lose that. Yeah, he goes to Japan. So you fight Manny, which, yeah, it is a toss-up fight. It's a winnable fight for both sides. But the winner that comes out of that fight to fight Errol Spence is a bigger pay-per-view. And then if you go from there, like if Spence collects two titles, let's just say if Spence beats Porter, he's a WBC and IBF champion. Whoever wins out of Pacquiao Thurman is a WBA champion. You have them fight. Now there's only one title left, and that's the one around Terrence Crawford's waist. Mm-hmm. So now you head into 2020. With leveraging powers, like, look, we want to unify the titles. We've done these pay-per-views. Listen, Bob, get off your ass and make this fight happen. Figure out the split. That's the fight to be made. But you ha- we have to start moving towards unifying these titles. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck just doing random-ass fights. Like, Spence Porter does need to happen. Sean Porter doesn't need to go fight. Who else is he going to fight? No one. Like, I mean, they can really only fight each other. That's what I'm saying. So, At this so, time, if, if, it's a race for anyone to fight Manny Pacquiao because not only are you going to do good pay-per-view numbers because you're, you're talented, so you'll do your normal 200 thou, but also Pacquiao's fan base is huge. So exactly. you're, you're going to get that whole influx. Pacquiao's the golden goose. So It's a race to see pa- who can floor Pacquiao and knock him out. So we know that Spence is a pay-per-view guy now. So you can do Spence Porter on pay-per-view. You can do Thurman Pacquiao on pay-per-view, and the winners fight each other. You can do that. Because if Pacquiao beats Thurman and becomes the WBA champion, and Spence is the WBC and IB, or even if Porter won. I mean, what the hell? It doesn't matter. 
Pacquiao versus Spence, big pay-per-view for those titles. Thurman versus Spence, big pay-per-view for those titles. Pacquiao versus Porter, big pay-per-view for those titles. And then Terrence, I mean, I'm sorry, guy. Like, I don't know who you fight in the interim. I, you know, if I'm Terrence Crawford, I'm telling Bob, go find Adrian Broden so I can beat him up. <laughs> Word. Shit, like, I don't. I, I just feel, I feel bad for Terrence because he's on one side of the street that really doesn't have any opposition for him. No. He just has to wait for this shit to shake out on PBC side. Him versus Broder but, would be a good fight, too. It wouldn't be good. I, I, like, it'd only be good because we'd like to see Terrence knock him out. That's, that's the only thing we're looking for. The question is, no. do we get a Marcos Maidana versus the Cloud rematch? Part two. Mm. Maidana's on the comeback trail. Somebody got to fight Maidana. Yeah, that but might be damn, a good Danny Garcia fight. I need to see him get down to 47. I mean, he's made with his gym. Go over there. He's in there. He dropped like 30 pounds already. And that what, he's what's still like 180. He's still like heavyweight. Like, <laughs> he's come still on, man. Like, he a cruiser now, I at may, least. Come on. I may have to swing by the gym to take a look at, at my diet. He's in there break. every other day. I mean, he <laughs> looks like at least 180 pounds. I'm not going to lie. He started off with a good two bills. Right now, I'll give him 180. I, I just, whatever. Maybe you run that one back. Um, the other thing I, I do want to talk about from the, uh, the pay-per-view is the performance of Dev- David Benavidez, who beat the brakes off of J. Leon Love. Oh, God, yeah. In two rounds, right? It was just, two rounds. that was dirty. Like, we talk about prospects a lot. You know, we've talked about the Tiafimo Lopez's, and we've talked about the Devin Haney's, and we've talked about the Ryan Garcia's. Mm-hmm. We forget. David Benavides is 22 years old and has already been the WBC champion. He was the youngest. Tw- he was the youngest WBC super middleweight champion ever yeah. at 20 years old. If he would got caught with cocaine, if this was the UFC, it would have been a slap on the wrist. Exactly. He got he got caught with that boy and um, <laughs> he got suspended. But he came out and destroyed Jaylen Love. He's looking for either a fight with Caleb Plant, Callum Smith. Um, looks like Anthony Durrell will be next for, to, for him to fight. I don't want to see Caleb Plant fight. For another six to eight months. Why? Because everything he's been through? Yeah, yo. Like, I, I really just need him to recover emotionally. Like, in my mind, there's no way he can just be emotionally prepared to fight and defend his titles. Because he's at the point where you got to do it at the highest level. So, yeah, it, it's just, it's tough. It's like, uh, like, Jacobs talks about it all the time, right? Like, Danny took that L because so much was going on. And I he bounced back. But I, I don't even want to see Plant do that. Like, you got to be emotionally investing. He went through some shit. Like, his mom's just dying, all this shit. Like, it's, it's a lot. It's like, you know, people handle their things differently. In the case of Danny Jacobs, um, his grandmother, who basically raised him, passed away before that fight. Uh, when he got knocked out by Korobov, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was hard for him to deal with. He's been very open about that. But Caleb Plant, it's a little bit, he's wired a little bit differently. Because if those who don't know Caleb Plant's story... Um, Caleb lost his daughter when she was, I don't even think she was one. Uh, she was born with a rare condition where she would have multiple seizures at any given moment. And she just couldn't live through and she died. And he lost his daughter. And he's continued to fight and he, you know, through all this. And now, you know, he, his mother got shot by a cop. Um, I don't think Caleb and his mom were super tight, but regardless. No, but it's still, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's still a lot. But I say that to say this. Some people deal with adversity different. And I don't yeah. know if Caleb Plant staying at home trying to get over this True. is going to make him any better. Idle time, probably. It does, you know, some people can't do well with the idle time. Sometimes you just no. gotta work your way through it. 
Busy so that's what that's what I think the case is. But, you know, I don't see Caleb Plant and David Benavidez fighting next. I, I do see Benavidez fighting Darrell to get his title back. Mm-hmm. And and I like Darrell, but Anthony Darrell is going to get the break. Like David Benavidez, dude, for those who don't understand the story, David Benavidez at 15 years old weighed 260 pounds. <laughs> and it, he was huge. Like when you look at his body, when people look at his body, it's like, ooh, he's – he doesn't look that strong, but he was he was fat. He was 260 pounds as a 15-year-old. His this brother, much fat kid strength goes a long way. Carried me through does. high school football. Jose Benavidez, his brother, who just lost to Terrence Crawford, um, had like 100 amateur fights, was a standout, and all, all these things. Like they came, you know, their dad trains them both. Um, David, on the other hand, only had 15 amateur fights. Where David got his experience was sparring with Triple G, uh, Latif Coyote, Kelly Pavlik, like, that's who he was fighting in gyms. And I've heard stories about Benavidez as a 16-year-old hurting people, grown men that are contenders in the gym. So when he goes out there and he put, peels off an eight-punch combination as a 20-year-old, these are things that I've seen. And now he's 22. The man hasn't hit his prime yet. No way, This He could possibly be a pound-for-pound guy in the near future. Yo, the like, young 25 and under in boxing right now is scary good. Dude. And I need so so I say that to say y'all that keep saying that boxing is dead, shut the fuck up. There's <laughs> so much talent on the scene right now, and Benavides is one of them. We keep talking about Tiafimo and Tiafimo's fighting on the other card of Crawford Khan. David Benavides is 22, and he just turned 22. Yeah, the it's future. nuts. Yeah, the the future is great. Only thing they need is that 22, 23 year old heavyweight. Yeah. But even now, I think the heavyweight the heavyweight division is in great hands. Yeah, they're not like super old, but still, I just I just need that 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 young prospect we can watch knock everyone out on undercards, you know, just just build it up, so he's ready at like twenty five, twenty six to dethrone whoever is the the reigning champ at that time. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right because like Joe Joyce, a lot of the, a lot of the heavyweights right now they're they're a little bit older. So you're right. Because a lot of them go into the Olympics, which takes you until you're like twenty two, twenty four. Um, you know, there's, I don't know, for some reason, it just seems to fall awkwardly on the calendar for these guys where your, your last Olympics is like 23, 24. When you look at guys like Shakur Stevenson, last Olympics at 19, 18, um, yeah. before you turn pro. So we just need that, that young one. Like the next Olympics is coming up. I want to see a 19 year old heavyweight run through people and then turn pro boom real quick. Yeah, and, we'll see if that happens. Yeah, so that's that's the last ingredient needed for boxing going forward. Um, we're going to take a quick break, though, because when we come back, we got to talk MMA and WWE, ROH, and New Japan. So much pro wrestling because it's mania season, and we're creeping up on it. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman, everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store none of that anymore you get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to casper mattresses yeah man i mean i, I gotta get my rest so casper mattresses is the goods i'm telling you right now so listen 
You can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner promo code T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. Just that quick, people. We are back from that break. We have to talk MMA to start off this hour. Uh, a couple things happened that we have to touch on. None bigger than the vacated UFC bantamweight title. TJ Dillashaw took an ass whooping by Henry Cejudo and then an ass whooping by USADA in back-to-back months. Um, Dillashaw had to vacate his title um, for testing positive. We don't know what the substance is. I believe the UFC passed new rules where kind of USADA can keep shit on the hush, hush um, for longer periods of time and not really divulge why people are failing these tests. So, uh... Dillashaw, what we do know is he failed. He's taking a one-year suspension. Uh, I haven't heard any talks about him, I guess, protesting it, right? Like, he's not, he's not going to challenge the suspension. He's going to take it. He vacated the title already. So it seems whatever he popped for, uh, he's not going to, you know, pull the John Jones and fight this shit tooth and nail. And he's going to take his suspension, and now it leaves chaos in a 135-pound division because no one can beat TJ outside of the 125-pound champion. Yeah, I mean, the whole division is kind of a mess. Um, and, I, you know, I, I haven't heard this from everybody. I'm just merely speculating. But I'm I'm just going to assume that TJ, was it was a banned diuretic to lose the weight. I assume the same. Like, you watch him. And, again, it's hard to prove this. You don't know unless you see the papers. But we both saw him on fight week. And it was like, how is this guy getting the 125? Like, this shit is one of the things that sounds like a great idea. And then you start seeing it. And you're like, nah, man. It, it's been a long time since you did this. Yeah, and it looked like he was taking... Anywhere from 30 to 35 different supplements to try to shave that weight off, mm-hmm. which clearly, you know, it doesn't take much to have one tainted supplement that's on the banned list. And I blame his team. Um, you know, maybe it is in TJ's hands. Maybe Cody Garbrandt was right about TJ showing that Team Alpha Male how to use performance hands and drugs. I don't know. But I'm going to blame this one on his team for cutting weight. And I'm also going to say this is why we don't need to keep doing these champ versus champ things because things like this happen. And now we hang up everything. Yeah. Um, so... Look, I don't know what's going to happen with the division. It, with Dillashaw being out for a year, uh, we have to move on. Clearly, we have to have a bantamweight title fight. Which, if Marlon, it's got to be Marlon Moraes against somebody. Yeah, um, <laughs> for someone and, that I, I feel like half of the equation is pretty much set. Yeah, Moraes has been excellent uh, after losing his first fight with the Sun Sal. He went out there and he's just been demolishing everybody. So to get Moraes out there against his opponent is the question. So. The question is, is it Henry Cejudo, and then you finally effectively close down the flyweight division? Or do you go with Pedro Munoz, who just beat Cody Garbrandt? Or do you go with Aljamain Sterling, even though Sterling already got his head kicked in by, by Marlon Moraes? And I, even though I'd like to see Aljamain Sterling, I feel like he's in the back of that line because he already lost to Marlon Moraes. I guess, but he's been on such a tear since then that it's not like Moraes is the champion and and then, you know, Funkmaster came through and lost, you know, to the champ for the title and everything. We've seen this before. Guys lose non-title fights, come back and fight each other for the belt. So that's that's not unheard of. Um, they can run that one back. And it makes a lot of sense in that division. I don't want to see Cejudo go up and get this shot. Because then what? Then he wins and you close 125 and he has to be a full-time 135-er? Yes. 
I mean, I think that's kind of where we're going, right? Yeah, like, that's just if Cejudo's fighting Dillashaw, that's where we we're, we're going. We're still at. booking flyweight fights, though. Well, that's the bizarre thing. Like, like, it, I, it, like, it was supposed to end with that fight and Cejudo losing. It didn't, and they're continuing to book flyweight fights after purging half the roster. Right. Like, if you look at the UFC rankings, it's like there's literally like 15 guys. You just put them anywhere on the list because you don't know who half of them are anymore. So if you, I think if you go... If Cejudo doesn't fight for the title, he has to fight uh, Joe Benavidez. Has like, to fight I, Benavidez because Benavidez just couldn't beat Mighty Mouse, but Styles makes fights, so who knows? And Benavidez beats Cejudo. Beat him. I was about to say Benavidez beat him already once. So that makes sense. So the other, like personally, I'd have to go with Pedro Munoz over Aljamain Sterling because Pedro Munoz did knock out the former champion Cody Garbrandt. That's his best victory. Aljo doesn't have that victory yet. And I think if Aljo gets one more win, you put he's right in the he's right into a title fight. So I'm totally fine with Munoz getting that shot against Marlon Moraes, and then Aljo gets the next shot. It, but that's that's as long as Cejudo staying a flyweight. I just I don't know what the UFC is doing with that division. I just don't understand it. Yeah, I don't. If, if Aljo doesn't get it, then him and Munoz have to fight, and it's a yeah, true it's, number it's one okay. contender for you know the winner Moraes versus. Uh, Cejudo. Nothing else makes sense. No, again, but what the hell does in the U.S.? Nothing does. Interim belts flying around. Your champion's here one day, gone the next. Dana White doesn't know how to do math or read calendars because <laughs> he, he's he's trying to reason and say why he created this interim lightweight title, which he now can't put Tony Ferguson in because oh, we didn't even talk about that. He's accused of uh, assaulting his wife. And his wife getting a restraining order on him. Yeah, it's tough sledding for the it's so tough sledding for the UFC. Right the now. whole division's like in, in the flux, and you have an interim uh, title fight versus a champion at a heavy or uh, lighter weight class, and Poirier, who's I mean, honestly, you put this shit on paper, he's the fourth best in that division. Because you go Connor, Poirier? yep, Connor will beat him. Tony Ferguson, Khabib, then Poirier. So you have oh. the fourth best guy in the division. Hmm. And it's okay. He doesn't wrestle like Khabib. I, I'm putting Connor over him all day. Still, to, the, to this day, I'm putting Connor over him. So you, you look at that, and then he's the fourth best in the division versus a guy who hasn't fought in this division who just so happens to be a champion of a lighter weight class. So you're holding that shit up to I mean, I said from the beginning, I really didn't like they went with Holloway versus Dustin Poirier because it shouldn't be for an interim title. Maybe it should be for a title eliminator or something like that. But the title, the interim title was Tony Ferguson's. He never lost it. That, that's the thing that's bizarre to me. He never lost the damn thing. He didn't lose a fight. He's won 11 in a row. So Dana says that Tony didn't want the fight. Fine. But I don't think you have to make Holloway Poirier for it the interim title I, I just think you can make that a fight but then again you're holding up a division because if, if max is not staying at 55 why are we doing this yeah good question because if max does win then he has to vacate the title and the division he has what 12 straight wins in exactly i make it makes no sense none so i mean I, I, on paper, I like the matchup between these two guys, but to me, you could have done it with Poirier going back down in weight and trying to take Max's title. That, that's exactly Or don't well, do it at all. Like, if, if, if you want this fight, Max has a belt. 
You tell Poirier you want a belt, it's okay. You're not ranked down there. But we're going to give you that immediate shot because Max has cleared out the whole division. So we'll justify giving you that title shot if you can cut the weight and boom, easy. And then we're going to let Khabib rock. Or how about you just, again, have Poirier versus Max in a lightweight fight? No title. No title. <laughs> like, why is this so difficult? Why, and then Dana went to say, you know, we've only done like a couple pay-per-views where a title wasn't on the line. And one of them was Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz. You know what Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz did at the pay-per-view? 650000 That didn't do bad, guys. Yeah. 650000 is better than all of DJ's pay-per-views put together. I don't even know if that's hyperbole. Second biggest pay-per-view right. of all time is a non-title fight. Right? That's like Connor versus Nate. Like, you don't have to put a title at the top of every pay-per-view because people don't really care that much. That's why Connor is like, yo, I'm not going to be the co-main event of any pay-per-view. No, he's not getting pay-per-view points for anyone else. Like, and I guarantee you, like, if they do the, let's just say that Connor fought in July, right, in the International Fight Week show. Mm -hmm. And now that's, that Donald Cerrone's booked against, who is he fighting? I can't remember. Ally Quinta. Ugh. Right. Yeah, now he's fighting Ally Akinta. I don't, whatever. But if, if you were going to go with Cowboy versus Connor as the main event of International Fight Week, and Daniel Cormier fought Brock Lesnar, let's just say that was the fight. Mm -hmm. The only person would, that, would, that might have a problem with this would be Brock Lesnar. But then again, Brock Lesnar wasn't the headliner at UFC 200. I was about to say, he, was, he didn't care about being the co-main there either. Brock is getting his shit guaranteed no matter what. Like, if you have a card... Lesnar and Cormier is the co-main event to Cerrone and Connor. That's guaranteed to do over a million buys. And Connor would, I'm pretty sure of this, Connor would be like, yeah, it's fine if those guys get pay-per-view points because Brock Lesnar is a huge star, mm -hmm. right? I think everybody's happy. Who's pissed? I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. And even now, and you say that, right? If they would have just not put this, the Holloway fight for the lightweight title, if there was a featherweight title, and Holloway was defending his belt against Poirier going down, and the belt's still on the line, right? It would have freed up Connor Tony Ferguson interim title. If you want an interim title in that division, you could have went Connie Tony. Okay, Tony gets in trouble legally, cool. Connor Nate, run it back, interim title. Because no matter what, the winner is going to face Khabib. Now, that title, you could have justified title fight, main event, surpassing what you have in Lesnar, a part-timer, versus Cormier, which is just a nostalgic fight. Yeah, no nobody believes that's going to be competitive. No, no one would have blinked an eye on that shit. But you're, you're doing too many things at once. I'm, I'm all down for the titles. I understand. We, we've had this conversation on the show. It's just the model that they've set up. I'm cool with you sticking to the dumbass model you set. But then you got to do well within that model if you want to keep it going. You just can't be willy-nilly throwing the bottom champion from another division into an interim fight. Because how are you going to talk him into giving up his other belt when the other one's a fake interim title? Because I'm damn sure if I'm Max Holloway, I win an interim belt, I ain't giving up this featherweight title and waiting for Khabib. Because oh, there's no, no. I've seen you strip interim champs. No, you're not playing me like Colby Covington. Nope. Can't trust it. No way in hell I'm dropping that belt. So it's it's just a, a weird dynamic they have going on. And then the UFC announces that all pay-per-views are going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Which, Dre, if you understand what this press release said, please tell me. Because I've heard four different things. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it, it was poorly worded. Whoever in the PR department that wrote this press release needed to be more cl clear about what exclusivity means. Because ultimately what it means is in order to get a UFC pay-per-view, you need to have a subscription to ESPN+. And through ESPN+, you can purchase the pay-per-view. DirecTV, Comcast, Time Warner, none of those people will be housing pay-per-views anymore. It says in there, which was weird, that commercial bars still can get the pay-per-view, which must be some kind of side deal with like satellite coordinates. So you can go like Hooters and watch the fight still. But for us who are at home, you got to have ESPN+, Plus, which from what I've heard has been extraordinarily buggy on like Apple, Apple TV and things like that. Um, but then the weird part about this is now I got to pay $5 a month for ESPN+, Plus, and then I got to buy the pay-per-view on top of that? So I'm not going to say it's, a, it's the worst thing that could happen um, because over at The Zone, we just had a price hike, which we'll talk about in a second. But it, it was a little confusing because I don't know... The ESPN app, the ESPN Plus app, to have people spend you know five dollars a month on the app, no big deal. Like with the zone, whatever the price is, you get all the fights. There is no extra charge. But the tack on an extra fifty nine, sixty nine dollars for the pay per view, I don't know, man. I mean, you you kind of alienating your audience. And then I, I honestly don't know if ESPN Plus is on every smart TV and every app. I don't I don't know. Do you? I mean, I I have it on everything. Uh, my grandmother, who's, I don't know how old my grandmother is now, 75, has it on everything. So I, she, she knows how to use it. It's somewhat user-friendly. It's not, I'll say this, it's not as user-friendly as zone, And that's not just because I'm talking to you. Uh, it's just not. Like zone streaming-wise, is a better setup for ESPN Plus. I still kind of got to walk her through and the sign-up's not as easy. Lord forbid you forget your password. You ain't getting into that shit for two days. Like, it, it's crazy. Because um, so many different things are linked. So, like, my ESPN Plus password my, and username might not be the same as my fantasy football. So, if I'm trying to do fantasy, like, we're playing fantasy and I'm trying to get to our leagues, then I go to watch someone on ESPN Plus. I'm not in the same shit. And then that's different than when I log on to my computer and I'm watching... So it's just so many different dynamics. It, it just doesn't cross over well. It gets kind of confusing there. Um, so that that's the only knock I have with it. But I, I bought it anyway because my grandma wants to watch the fights. So she has that shit. She's going to watch boxing. No different than DAZN today announcing they're going to a new pay structure. Yeah, let me let me be clear about this too. And it's not because I work for the company. Um, if the, the, there's a $20 a month versus the $10 it was before, if you already have the zone. It's still $10 a month until March 2020. This is for new subscribers only. The reason why this is happening is because we have, and I, I say we, but we have two pay-per-view caliber fights coming up. Canelo versus Jacobs and Joshua versus Miller. Joshua Miller, maybe not so much pay-per-view, but it still maybe would be on a pay-per-view fight and force you to pay. If you had to buy both of those pay-per-views, you're going to shell out $150. If you're pissed off about the zone going up 10 bucks, you're getting both of them for 20 bucks for that month. And then you can cancel. There's no obligation. Yeah. So it still allows you the flexibility to watch the fights for cheap. I will say this. If you're an MMA fan, probably not the service for you. Because if you don't watch boxing, it doesn't really make sense. Unless you really like obscure Bellator cards. And combat <laughs> the Americans and all that other shit. Yeah. But if you like boxing because... Look, what we have on the slate coming up, 
Canelo Jacobs. We have Soren Vise versus uh, Estrada in, on April 24th, 3rd, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Joshua Miller, and then we have Triple G's next fight in June. So it's not it's not a bad deal. Like It's not I bad. Guess, like for Triple G versus Canelo last year, I bought my grandma the pay-per-view $79 because you had to right. buy it in HD. I'm going to pay now $99. Well, actually, I'm going to wait and just pay my $10 a month until my grace period is over. But after that, I'm going to pay my $99. In, in my mind, I'm getting it for, what, $20 more than I paid for one single pay-per-view. So I'll be fine. And it'll, the, the Joshua Wilder or Joshua Fury pay-per-view, when it happens, when one of those happen, and if it's on the zone, is a $100 pay-per-view in itself. Easy. Yeah. So I, I look at it like this, man. It just it really depends on how much you indulge. Like the zone is just really a combat sports app, but now we have ma- Major League Baseball as well. So you know, it, it's to each his own. You find if you find what works for you. If you're an MMA guy, go to ESPN Plus. How does it How does it work for bars? That's my only question. So with the zone, the zone, so, you know, and ESPN, like. If you have to have ESPN Plus to buy pay-per-views, how are bars going to do this? It's no longer on DirecTV. zone is the same way, where it's like, how do bars get these major fights on zone? Everyone has to have a smart so, TV. Each individual TV you have to go and log into. Is there a cap in how many different televisions could be on one account? Shit starts to get dicey. Well, not really, because where it's, how it's always been, and that's why, if you, if you ever listen to like the Some of the Wrestlewood uh, podcast, Bruce Prichard talks about this a lot in a particular episode. I can't remember which one. But there's a, a different pay structure for a pay-per-view on in a bar because you have to buy it commercially. Mm-hmm. And it's based on how many people, what the capacity of your bar is. And that determines the cost of your pay-per-view. So I'm figuring, I don't know this for sure with the zone, and I'm going to figure this with ESPN, is that they're going to go to the same structure and do it a la carte. So I don't think you have to have the app for it. They'll probably give you like satellite coordinates and beam them to you mm-hmm. um, or find a way to do it in that, that way. But that's, it's been something that's existed forever because I know there's people have been like, ah, oh, man, you can just steal it and stream it in the bar. No, nope, you go to jail. Like it's like a federal offense <laughs> if you do that. Like, like you got to so, still go through commercial practices. Yeah, you have, to con- you have to contact the UFC or you have to contact Showtime or HBO back in the day in order to get the pay-per-view. So – I like when I was in Arizona when we were out there for the Royal Rumble, and I was leaving the Royal Rumble and going back to my room. There was something on the zone, and I walked by a bar and they were showing the zone. I don't know how they did. I was just like, I'm gonna keep it pushing because I have no idea what the fuck is going on. So I just kind of <laughs> left it alone. I, I didn't. I didn't know. So yeah. maybe maybe it was okay, but it, it's just a different type of purchase for that. So again, if you're a boxing and UFC fan that watches both regularly. Nothing wrong with buying ESPN. There's nothing wrong with ESPN Plus. If you're a boxing guy who wants to see all these big fights, Canelo and them, nothing wrong with getting his own. Look, to each his own. You guys figure it out. I just, I didn't, don't necessarily care for the fact with ESPN Plus is you gotta pay five dollars plus the pay per view. But whatever. Yeah, I'm People paying the five dollars anyway, and uh, I am air quotes buying the pay per views. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's all it's all good. Listen, I'm I'm most of the pay per views, and if the UFC brass listen this deep into our show, then fuck it, then they'll catch me and I'll start paying for shit. Um, let's the one other thing in MMA we gotta talk about before we skip. It's a uh, UFC. Fuck, what obscure town is this? Nashville. 
And I only want to predict the main event. Because, okay, Curtis Blades is on it. Cool. But I care less about the rest of the card. Um, Steven Thompson versus Anthony Pettis. At welterweight. Does it go the distance? I'm picking no. Wonderboy. It's a five-round fight. Pettis' first fight at welterweight. Um, Pettis has gone on record saying, you know, I shouldn't have been cutting weight. I'm doing... Like, I feel like Pettis is giving me a lot of excuses. And I'm not saying his excuses are necessarily wrong. I just feel like it's kind of late to kind of figure this shit out. Yeah. Especially so after that, you try to go all the way down already once. Yeah. So now you're fighting, you're fighting a guy who had fought for the title twice, um, who lost a very close fight to Darren Till, who got there's robbed. no threat of him taking got you down. Fight, yeah, you might be right. But he has no threat of taking you down, so it's going to be a stand-up fight. Now, if anybody remembers... Pettis got kind of abused by Edson Barbosa. Wonderboy is a more dynamic striker than Barbosa. So I think Wonderboy is going to knock Anthony Pettis out. Damn, it's been a while since I've seen a Wonderboy knockout. Um, I would say it goes the, different, the distance. Because I haven't seen Wonderboy knock someone out in forever. Well, and hey. Wonderboy is one of the guys who should be in line to get a title shot soon. Because the guy he lost to twice is now taking down the ladder. So... He gets that fresh breath of air to try and knock off a, another guy. It's true. So, I mean, he's he's right back in that in that picture with a win here. And we both think he's getting the win. Um, let's turn our attention real quick to pro wrestling before we get out of here. Uh, you, you think we'd have more, but we're not going to do a deep dive into WWE right now. We'll do that next week as we get closer to WrestleMania and uh, Wedding Mania at that. So... Real quick, ROH anniversary this past weekend. Um, the big match of it was Lethal versus Matt Taven. One hour match ended in a time limit draw. And with Marty Skrull casually strolling to the ring, picking up the belt, posing, and walking out. I was there live for this shit. And it was the longest match I've seen in my life. <laughs> Hands down. And, and some people are saying, oh, it's one of the best matches in ROH history. And some people are saying mm. it reminds them of Punk and, and Joe. No. And all this stuff. I'm like, yo, y'all have lost your damn minds. Like, it's, no, it wasn't, it was long for the sake of being long. This wasn't even New Japan long. This wasn't Omega Okada long. It was just long for the sake of being long. And the crowd was really fed up in person until they got like five near falls in a row. And then they get into it and then say, oh, fuck, it's still going another 20 minutes. Then five near falls. And then, Still going. And it was just, man. And it was in the middle of the card. It was the fourth match of the night. So much so, they had to cut two other pay-per-view matches. It's, it's, I don't know, man. It's bizarre booking. Because now, you know, the G1 Supercard is now a ladder match between Taven, Lethal, and Skrull. Which I'm not too mad at. But then again, I'm just like, I'm just, Taven's not a guy that I look at and be like, yo, he's good. Like, no. I I don't get it. Tell I don't that, think we tell that to the guy sitting next to me who was marking the fuck out for Matt Taven the whole time. Like, oh my god, I love his mohawk. Look how cool his hair looks. Oh, he's the next big thing. Watch, I'm telling you, Taven's the next superstar. He's gonna win the belt tonight. Oh, you know what? Taven, Taven's gonna turn down NXT. Oh, they're gonna be a bidding war. AEW versus NXT for Taven. I'm listening mm. to this shit, which is mouth wide open. Half of the match, half of the 30 minutes, I was just watching the other guy watch the match. Yeah, I, yo, I don't, you know, Lethal's <laughs> been a, an, he's been an excellent hand for Ring of Honor, and I never take anything away from Jay Lethal. I've always liked him more as a heel, but whatever. Tave is just, he's just not the guy. And 
whatever. I mean, if that's what we're going to do at, at Supercard, it's not going to be your main event. I hope not. Um, it but it should be fun. Because yeah, there's only one outcome to this match. I mean, that, that's what we think, right? That Marty Shiro should be coming away with the title. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah. Unless his contract is up in June. It's not. And he's bouncing. But I think he it's, still has one year left on it. Yeah, I told you. I've, I've talked to Joe Cuff, the COO. He told me Marty Skrull's here through 2019. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, they gave him a faction. They, I feel like they have to milk Marty while they have him. I wouldn't be surprised if they do a loner to AEW, though, because it just boosts their platform for the rest of the year, you know? Yeah, so, that's a whole other can of worms with that, that talent sharing shit. Yeah, but, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to share the whole damn roster, but, you know, you know Marty's going to leave you eventually anyway. So you got to do what you got to do. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's how that goes in my mind. That was just a painstakingly long match. That shit was crazy. Now, uh, New Japan Cup is still going on. You could throw our whole New Japan section from the last episode out the damn window. Yeah, man. Like, you, um, you were convinced Kota Ibushi was going. Dude, and what a fucking match, match it was with Zack Sabre Jr. It was such a weird oh. match for Coda, though, right? Like, not weird in a bad way, but you would think Zack Sabre kind of is the chameleon to all the other guys he wrestles. Like, you know, go strong style against the like, Ishii and maybe some more power moves versus traditional guys. Still does his stretching out shit, but he kind of manipulates his style. I feel like Abushi changed to fit Sabre Jr.'s style. It was way more technical than I anticipated. Yeah, and and like that finish, the finishing stretch was crazy. Um, I mean, dude, like Zach had ran through last year's New Japan Cup, and then you know, and he beats Kota, which throws everything out the window. And then Zach loses to Tanahashi. <sighs> where I, I, now I'm trying to figure out where we're going with this because. I thought Kota Ibushi versus Jay White was the match to make a G1 Supercard. I just felt like it was, it felt like it was pretty obvious because I think we've seen everything else. But now it seems like it's going to boil down to Okada and Tanahashi versus Jay White, one of those two, which makes me think it's going to be Okada. Or, like, put on a tinfoil hat here because I don't know what the fuck's going on. Tanahashi um, might get it again. Or we have a draw and we have another triple threat match. With Okada Tanahashi and Jay White. But I don't think they're going to do two th- triple threat matches in your two main events in the G1 Supercard. Yeah, that's not really so, their style. Yeah, and like, you know, Osprey lost to Okada. Um, I, 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 I thought it was going to be the winner of Naito versus Ibushi would be facing Jay White with the G1 <laughs> Supercard at the Guard. Now we're not there. So no. it's either going to be Tanahashi or, or Okada. And if it's going to be one of them, I'm probably going to say it's going to be Tanahashi. How'd your boy Ishii sneak into this Final Four? He's good. (laughs) (laughs) They're throwing your boy Ishii a bone. Nah, yeah, he's not being Okada. So Okada Okada Tanahashi seems very high profile for this tournament, though. It does. It does. I mean, Um, New Japan Cut, technically, you know, usually... Sonata, I feel like, could go against Okada. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it feels like it has to be one of those two. But next week, we might be throwing all this shit out the window and be like, man, how did Ishii get in there versus Jay White? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what we're doing. (laughs) I'm not necessarily mad at it, but I'm trying to see this G1 supercar take take shape. And I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, it's cool, but it's not going through the roof for me yet. 
and you know, like, we can say that it's going to be a Japanese star. Because for a lot of people, they thought, oh, you're going to have two English-speaking guys in there. Or at least someone the English market knows in Okoto Bushi, who was on Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, yeah. Well. But nope, out the window. So we <laughs> might mess around and see the ace uh, in the main event at the Garden. Which, you know what? Now that I think about it, fuck it. Tanahashi's done a lot of stuff in his career, right? In Japan, he's pretty much done everything you can do. He was in the first New Japan Cup in 05 or 04, I think. The, the man's done everything in their promotion. Is it so hard to think of that they're going to let him headline the Garden? No. No, not at all. Like, he's the first ROH guy to headline the Garden? Like, that's... Oddly enough, that's some shit, you know, Vince would do with Cena or something. Yeah, like, I, look, I'll put it like this. I'm not mad at this card. I thought that we'd have a maybe a different kind of title. Because uh, remember, this time last year, people were like, it's going to be Kenny Omega against... Kota Ibushi or something like that. Now Omega's gone. But if you look at the rest of the card, though, you can't be too mad because you get Jeff Cobb versus Real Osprey. I'm here for this. That's going to be incredible. You get Taji Ishimori versus Dragon Lee versus Bandito, which almost feels like it's a guaranteed four-and-a-half, five-star match. Right? Like, mm-hmm. So you can't really be mad at anything else in this card. Dalton Castle versus Rush, all right, I'm cool with that as well. So it's not going to be a bad show. It's just... It's just taking a different turn with the titles. None of us last year would have said Jay White was going to be the IWGP champion heading into this card. No. Nobody. No. I didn't think he'd win until next Wrestle Kingdom, so who knew? Um, Yeah, they they hit the fast-forward button on that. WWE-wise, just a couple things to touch on. Um, NXT, first and foremost. Fatal Five-Way for the title. Uh, Ciampa's obviously injured. We saw the turn last week, I believe, or a couple weeks ago by Johnny Gargano. Fatal Five match was, in my opinion, it wasn't even long. It was good, though. Um, yeah. Sadly, I think it might be better than anything we end up seeing at Mania. Uh, hopefully, they prove me wrong. But with that match, it was like, okay, that's great. And now we have Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, two out of three falls. And that shit wasn't something on the radar not too long ago. But, man, I, that might steal the weekend. I can look down this NXT card, though, and just be like, yo, this this might still show. This might still show. Because you're, you're looking at the matchup you wanted was finalized, which is Pete Dunne versus Walter is going That's down. That's all I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yo, if they show that first, I'm going to watch you walk out, there, watch, walk yo, out the bar. Listen, page. I'll be like, all right, I'm cool, man. I'm, I'm out of here. Back to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm looking look, – look, I'm so looking forward to that match. That, five, that five-man match – I, I kind of I text you about this because it happened exactly what I when I saw the match getting booked. I was like, "Oh, Ricochet's taking the pinfall, and Adam Cole's going to win." Because you can't really go too many other places with this match, and I'm fine with it. I don't have any problem with how this match played out. But I feel like I think we're going to get Adam Cole as your, our new NXT champion finally. I'm I don't know. I'm torn because I know Gargano's up. Right, he's on the main roster. He's gone. That's cool. It was meant for him and Ciampa, so I don't know if they give him the belt and have NXT run. I don't think that's in the cards. I think he's up, and he's up for good. And with that being said, though, I again, nostalgia rears his head. There hasn't been a Grand Slam champion in NXT. True. Now that they have this North American title. I mean, Finn Balor, I think, was close. Maybe he did Dusty Rhodes. But Grand Slam champion to me in NXT is Dusty Rhodes Classic, 
Tag Team Titles, North American Title, NXT Championship. Gargano is one belt away. See, this is the beauty of it all. The difference between this particular match at NXT versus everything at WrestleMania, we really don't know who's going to win this match. We don't know who's going to win any matches. Because, I mean, you, you look at the North American title, does Dream lose? He just got the exactly. belt. And that's like my issue with a lot of the WrestleMania card is that we look at it and maybe they'll throw us a few curveballs. But if everything plays out the way that it's set up, Becky Lynch is going to be the new women's champion on Raw. It look like uh, Kofi Kingston's got to get the title, which I don't think anybody will be mad at. If he, no matter how we get there, if Kofi's a champion, nobody will give a shit because we feel good about that. Yep. But then it's like Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. You're like, what the fuck? Which they may throw a curveball and switch that shit up. They, well, I mean, goddamn it, they need to. They're being too like, obvious with the oh my god, people dislike it. Like Kurt was talking about it on Instagram and shit. It's weird. Because it's a bad match, but. Like, but it, like the rest of the, like Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins, like we feel like everybody feels the only outcome is Rollins getting the title. Whereas on NXT, I think we look up and down that card and we're like, I don't know who's going to win any of these matches. And that's the beauty of it. Like, I don't mind like one match where you go, ah, that's probably going to be a title change. Like Kofi getting the title, don't care. Cool with that. Yeah. Becky winning, I actually don't care. I'm cool with that as well. But when you start looking down the card and you start feeling very I mean, the Beast could win. <laughs> like... Seth could He could, but then that's a weird thing because then I feel like we're going to get full-on mutiny. So that that match has to happen like in the middle of the show. No, but you can't have <laughs> mutiny on everything. Like we have three matches where if one of them goes to shit, there's mutiny. But you can only have so much mutiny. Uh, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. If Becky, like we all expect Becky Lynch to win, but if Becky Lynch didn't win, I wouldn't be that mad. You, you, listen, I, and it has nothing to do with her cutting me checks, but... I like Ronda as a heel. Yes. She's just yeah, getting like, her bearings. So how are you going to take the feet out from under the asshole heel, right? Like the like belt I, gives her like legitimacy. Yeah, I, I don't mind. Like I know a lot of people think, you know, Becky's done all this. Look, the, I don't ever think the plan, at the be- like I said last year, it always felt like the plan was Ronda versus Charlotte. And then this Becky thing went nuclear and it was like, oh, shit, we got something. If Becky doesn't win, like, don't get me wrong. She wins, fantastic. But if she doesn't win, it's not the end of the world, guys. Because Ronda being a heel has actually been pretty good if she doesn't talk too much. Yep. Like, it was way better. This past week was way better, I think. Yeah, like, her interview, like, when she did, when she, like, looked, there's cameras over there. That wasn't good. Didn't like that. But everything else, like, her beating the shit out of people, like, what she did to Dana Brooke. Okay, that's great. Yep, just keep doing that. There's plenty of women to kick their ass. Beat up Dana Brooks. Uh, have Travis elbow people, whatever you want to do. Yeah, like there's ways to get there. I just hope that WrestleMania throws us a few curveballs because right now the way the card stacked up, it's too many goddamn matches. Like, look, man, I look, I, y'all know I love Samoa Joe, but I want to see Samoa Joe versus John Cena. That's just me. That's the match I want to see. I know y'all love Rey Mysterio, but it just doesn't feel believable to me that Rey would beat Samoa Joe. I feel like I've already seen it on SmackDown multiple weeks. Yeah. Not one-on-one, but where's that leave Andrade? I thought that'd be the six-man match. But it's not. Like, Finn Balor doesn't even have a fucking match yet. Like, oh, this WrestleMania, with, like, neither the tag titles have been announced yet, except for the women's tag. No, the women will defend the tag titles, but we don't know against who. And the way it's shaping up is kind of un- underwhelming. Like, Sasha and Bayley versus Nia and Tamina, nobody really cares. No, but and now it, Beth Phoenix is going to be in there 
with and Natalia. That, and let's be real. We don't care about that. Like, we all, like, Natty's cool, but I don't think anybody's like, yo, I can't wait to see Beth Phoenix back. It feels like, that feels like a good match for, like, Backlash or some other pay-per-view. I don't feel like WrestleMania, as it stands right now, feels like the super special show. And I think you've said this before. The, the thing about it is, is that goddamn Saudi Arabia show. That's what it starts is. starts to yo. steal which, the thunder from WrestleMania. That's what crushed us last year because Knock and, and uh, who was that? It was Knock versus AJ Styles. Really, it was just a setup for that. Yeah, so, I, many, so much of WrestleMania last year was just setting up for the stupid show overseas. And, and that, that's, that's what I don't want. Like, WrestleMania should be the culmination of multiple storylines. Like, let's be real. The culmination of Miz versus Shane at WrestleMania, I'm fine with that. I like how that's being handled. I like the curveball that we are throwing. We know it's not going to be, like, the greatest match on the card. But we both know, we all know that Miz can cut a great promo. Yep. And they've worked towards this. So there's going to be some payoff. We're cool with that. But it feels, in the, like, the Kofi thing kind of fell into everybody's lap. And I don't think anybody's mad at that. But for more than half of this card to be booked in like less than four weeks feels kind of shitty. Like they, back in they the had day, plenty of time to set up storylines. But yeah. I mean, to be fair, they they changed over half their fucking writing staff in the past month. Pritch well, is I mean, in, yeah. Abyss is in, uh, Jeff Jarrett's in. Like they they did an overhaul of their writing staff in the I don't past think four weeks. Vince's vision. No, but you I know, I mean. I think there's other voices now that you, you look at some sh- stuff, you'd be like, eh, is that Pritchard's influence? Like, you know, like there, there's yeah. a little bit more of, you know, of a difference. And there has been a lot of changes the past three weeks. There has been. But but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm a little curious about, because it feels like Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan was where they were going with WrestleMania. Yep. But now the, the Kofi thing is happening. So you can't ignore it. You got to go with it because it's the feel good story and everybody wants to see it. But where does that leave Kevin? You know I, I what said I from the get go, I put Kevin on commentary and then just have him beat the shit out of Kofi. But I mean, you know what I want to see? Like if if we we had more time, Kevin versus Samoa Joe. Oh yeah. But we didn't build that way. And I, I get it, man. A lot of things happen. You change stories. Like things fall on your lap. Things people get hurt. But it, you you guys know when WrestleMania is every goddamn year. <laughs> like there's. There's no excuse for half of this show to be put together in four weeks. Yeah, Roman Reigns doesn't even have a definite program yet. Yo, there's going to be like 19 matches at WrestleMania. Yeah, I think the rumor is 17. Just look, like, make sure y'all put on Kofi early. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need hot cocoa. I need food. Look, I booked a 6 a.m. flight so I can get home to my daughter. I'm going to die on Monday morning. Oh, God. You're going straight to the airport. I know, like WrestleMania gonna end at four in the morning. You like, go straight to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta bring your bags with you. Like, I, that's, yeah, that's ridiculous. I, and I, and you know, we'll talk about it more as WrestleMania approaches. But I've been watching this weather like a hawk. New York, get your shit together. I'm not trying to come out here in thirty degree weather at WrestleMania again. Met, last time I was at MetLife, it was too goddamn cold. Not trying to do it again. Fix it. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's gonna be good weather, but it's gonna rain the night before. So I'm I'm worried about field like the soggy field. You see, yeah, underneath my toesies. If I'm on the floor seats, you know, I'm not trying to be fancy. But you, know. but you flex. That was- <laughs> 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 flex. 
it's it's it is what it is. Look, we got we'll, we're going to talk more about it. We got Wally Mania coming up, which we're all looking forward to Thursday. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about the, that. You know, NXT Takeover, G One Supercard, and WrestleMania. It's all in all, like if you're going to WrestleMania, we will be there. It's, it's going to be a ton of fun. So enjoy yourselves. Yes. But we'll talk about that more next week, right? Nah, yep, we'll talk about that more next week. That's our show for today. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Can't wait to talk to you guys again. Make sure you guys support on Patreon, The Corner Podcast. Follow us on social media at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Till next time, though, we're out. Peace.